0: The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. They were there. They were there. You know, we're always either involved in some kind of military action or ready, preparing military action. And so when I play that song on Fridays, I'm always grateful that I don't have names of anyone who might have perished in the last week, or in this case, for me it would be the last two weeks since I had an opportunity to do this. But I have to tell you, I am truly, truly disturbed at what I see going on in terms of the dialogue that we are unable, apparently, to, to have with one another. I've never, look, I've said this before. The left has become synonymous with angry. I don't care what anybody says. I watch it. I see the the kind of rhetoric that's thrown around by the left. I hate Hitler. Every other word is Hitler. But it's always the right that gets lambasted if some kind of violence takes place. The assumption is immediately, oh, well, you know, their words encourage violence. And and it's the opposite. It really is, and it's sickening. And, you know, I made this decision that I was going to use 2024 to just get information out there. We have people who are motivated right now. Motivated by what they see going, to their, going on in their country. They're not happy. But they're not wicked and they're not evil and they're not trying to hurt anybody. They just want change. And sometimes change means going back to something else. I know that really, really upsets them. But too bad. You know, I've gotten to the stage now where your feelings are your feelings. They're not the, f- the facts and I don't care what kind of job numbers come out, if people are advising Joe Biden that the best way for him to win this election is to trash me and you, then the Trump has it in the bag. Just saying. Ben Shapiro wrote a great piece. and And, you know, the audacity of Joe Biden to do his kickoff of his campaign at Valley Forge, you know, his party is trying to do everything to eliminate any kind of historical America. And he gets up there and he delivers a speech, which of course is a full out attack on Donald Trump, who happens to be the most likely opponent facing him in an upcoming election, think we can all agree on that, whether you like him or not. That's how it's going to go down. So he speaks at a community college 10 miles away from Valley Forge National Historical Park. You know, that's where George Washington mobilized troops during the Revolutionary War to fight for democracy 250 years ago. This is the eve of the anniversary of the January 6th event which they like to call an insurrection and they claim and the media picked up on this immediately they're all in for biden to me it's beyond uh, disgusting how they're not even uh, they have no ability to admit the disaster that his presidency has been and will be can't can't do it so they are going along with this uh, declaration that he's making about you know Orange man, bad. I don't know how else to say it. This campaign is all going to be about how bad Donald Trump is and how awful the events of January 6th, 2021, were. And then, you know, he's going to blast Trump for everything. Oh, he wouldn't accept election results. Well, guess what? Neither did Hillary Clinton and when he won the first time. Neither did Al Gore it is what it is this is a republic when people have a problem and they've run a you know they've run a campaign they've spent their heart and soul and tons of money trying to get their message across to the american people and they see potential anomalies in voting patterns or outright you know ways that people could uh, fraudulently vote they have a right to ask questions So Joe Biden's campaign, the president's campaign is going to be built on, oh, uh, political violence. If Donald Trump gets in, there'll be nothing but political violence. If you thought January 6th was bad, you know, this is how they're going to run this campaign. Can a candidate for presidency without equivocation, this is what Biden is saying, denounce political violence in America? President Biden can answer that. There's no place for political violence in America. Really? Well, it seems to me that you have a squad and an entire progressive wing of your party that is literally sending troops to commit violent acts, allowing them into the halls of Congress, masquerading as Palestinian uh, pro-Palestinian groups. What did you What did you ever say about Antifa when they burned down a police station, or when they uh, literally took over the city of Portland, turning it into a garbage, a cesspool, what'd you say then about political violence? I love when Joe Biden talks about Abraham Lincoln and Franklin Roosevelt, those are his inspirations. Now it's gonna be George Washington, right? Now he's at the Valley Forge and he's George Washington. And he constantly says, you know, the foundation of American democracy. America is not a democracy. It grieves me that the highest office in the land is being held by a person who doesn't understand what a republic is. And it grieves me if I have listeners who don't know the difference. Because it was a deliberate difference. So we'll see. You know, usually he... he, he, he Gives his speeches and he's so optimistic about the future and blah, blah, blah. But now we're going back to remember the Joe Biden in that dark setting and, and it was all terrifying and people were very disturbed by it. I think it was red and black. It looked awful. We're back to that now. Now he's going to uh, uh, talk about the darkest chapters of American history. And then he's going to warn everybody that if there's a second Trump presidency, that's what it's going to be like. So, I, I, listen, this is really fundamental. Political pundits and, and analysts like me, please forgive my voice. I'm You know, I, I obviously, um, my voice is not good. But uh, I have too much to say to sit back. And it's audible. Here's a, here's a presidency that's going to be fought between two guys who are so different in their vision for this country. There's one who tries to play this moderate optimist and then fails to deliver on any of that, on moderation or on optimism. And then there's this other one that just offends the sensibilities of so many people that they literally, they hate him with the kind of passion I've never seen in my life. He he has an opponent in Joe Biden, the sitting president, who's got uh, Hunter Biden as a son, who if Congress has its way and they're able to pour through a lot of these records, eventually we're gonna find out that the current president has made himself rich off of his political life. But Trump's the bad guy. Trump, who made himself rich, off his skill as a real estate developer, and even if he got a head start from his father's money, you you could lose that real quick, or you could turn it into an empire, which is what he did. So you have one character who built his wealth outside of government, and then goes into government, gets elected by his peers, and won't even take a salary. Forget about getting rich. You think anybody's offering Donald Trump money to make speeches? Are you kidding? The left wouldn't allow him to make a speech other than a political uh, campaign speech, and even those, if this uh, this monster of a prosecutor has his way, Donald Trump won't even be allowed to do that, which will give the Supreme Court quite a quite a case to handle. And and, and so if if the Biden people, so listen up, Barack and Michelle and all the others behind this Biden presidency. Kamala Harris, listen to me. This is going to backfire so badly that the best thing you could do is pull the plug on this plan. Dark, hate the orange man is not a campaign that can win in this country right now. People are moving away from the party of pathetic, the DEI party, the Democratic Party, and they're moving towards Donald Trump. I don't even say they're moving towards the Republican Party because, like me, most of them go, like, most Republicans, yuck. But they're moving towards the one person who has consistently proven to them that he means what he says. Sometimes he says more than he means to say. Some of what he says offends your sensibilities, But when he gets into office, he does the three most important things that any president can do. And the most important thing that any president can do is listen to the people. What do the people need? What is the desire of the people? What is the vision of the people for the country? He goes out and he gathers tons of people and he delivers very volatile speeches and he carefully monitors what is it that people are drawn to? What's happening in the heartland? What's happening in the lives of inner city people? Do you, does anybody out there really believe that the people who live in Los Angeles and the people who live in New York City and the people who live in Chicago are having better lives now? Because I can tell you they're not. And while the, uh, many of them are so, so blue dog yellow dog, really, that they would never, ever vote for a Republican are starting to think of him as not a Republican. And they're starting to think that they're tired of being pushed around. They're tired of being made promises that are never kept. They are tired of smooth and slick. You know, people say to me, well, Gavin Newsom, he poses." No, no. The majority of the people who live in this country loathe the Gavin Newsom type blow them they're sick of this you know politi- political class which gets wealthy off politics it was never intended to be that and the little guy the ma- the middle class guy people like us we know that we know it's not fair that student loans get wiped out where is that law where is that written We know that what's going on is bad for this republic. And if the only alternative is to pick a guy who offends my sensibilities, well, then that's what I'm going to do. You know, I don't hire a plumber because he looks like Gavin Newsom. I hire a plumber who can get the job done. And if when he bends over to fix my toilet, I can see the crack of his butt, so what? Can he fix my toilet? And then when he does fix my toilet, I pay him gratefully. I applaud his efforts. I guess you don't give a standing ovation to a plumber, but I give it to Donald Trump. When he did the things that mattered to me, I told him, I said so. And now we need something. Something has to change. has to change quick. This is a very volatile year, volatile election. They're doing everything they can to shut Donald Trump down. And it's you and me that stand between them and defeat. Be prepared. Know what you're talking about. Get involved. And turn off the lamestream media because they don't know what they're talking about. Well, they do know what they're talking about. They're trying to make you afraid oh and the next stop this uh, president's gonna make is that the ame church the mother emmanuel church where the nine people got shot by a white supremacists as if somehow donald trump had something to do with that i hate these people because they just don't understand but we do we got a fight on our hands man i hope you're prepared Don't forget to download the 850 WFTL app. That way you can participate in all the uh, cool contests and you'll have a heads up whenever we do something special. Right now we have uh, a contest where you can register to win. You can register to win a four-pack of tickets to dive into the fun at the South Florida Fair. That's pretty cool. So you you want the app or else visit the website 850wftl.com. Quick break. I'll be right back. You know, maybe the thing that I love the most about him is that he revels in just freaking them all out. He does. And to some extent, I I revel in that. I love when I'm able to joke around, but not really. You know, when what I'm saying is so over the top, it's like going to a Broadway musical. People don't really fall in love the way they do it in a Broadway musical. There's no Tony looking up at the fire escape and saying, I just met a girl named Maria. You know, that's not how people actually live, but there is a great attraction to seeing that kind of over-the-top stuff. So Trump, of course, threw up a little uh, video, and and in this is how he does it on Truth Social. He says, uh, you know, joking but not joking. And I'm just going to read you the text of the video because it has the left are having psychotic events. Many of them may need, uh, what's it, convulsive therapy or something. I mean, they're just out of their mind. Now, obviously, this might disturb some people and particularly some people of faith, which I happen to be, a person of faith. But this does not offend me at all because I understand what the humor in this is and I also understand what the seriousness in this is. And it says, and on June 14th, 1946, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a caretaker. So God gave us Trump. God said I need somebody willing to get up before dawn and fix this country, work all day, fight the Marxists, eat supper, then go to the Oval office and stay past midnight and a meeting of the heads of state So God made Trump. I need somebody with arms strong enough to wrestle the deep state and yet gentle enough to deliver his own grandchild. Somebody to ruffle the feathers, tame the cantankerous World Economic Forum, come home hungry, have to wait until the first lady is done with lunch with friends, then tell the ladies to be sure and come back real soon and mean it. So God gave us Trump. I need somebody who can shape an ax but wield a sword who had the courage to step foot in North Korea, who can make money from the tar of the sand turned liquid to gold, who understands the difference between tariffs and inflation. We'll finish this 40-hour week by Tuesday noon and then put in another 72 hours. So God made Trump. God had to have somebody willing to go into the den of vipers, call out the fake news for their tongues as sharp as serpents. The poison of vipers is on their lips, and yet, stop. So God made Trump. God said, I need somebody who will be strong and courageous, who will not be afraid or terrified of the wolves when they attack a man who cares for the flock. A shepherd who will never leave or forsake them. I need the most diligent to follow the path and remain strong in faith and know the belief of God and country. Somebody who is willing to drill, bring back manufacturing and American jobs, farm the lands, secure our borders, build our military, fight the system all day, and finish a hard week's work by attending church on Sunday. And then his oldest son turns and says, God, let's make America great again, Dad. Let's build back a country to be the envy of the world again. So God made Trump. Yeah, that's over the top. And yes, you could be offended by a quasi-messianic message. But where's the fallacy? There isn't one. This doesn't make me fall to my knees. I, I don't worship Donald Trump. But I really love this country. I love what this country stands for. I love the ideas that freedom it, is the most valuable thing. And, and it's mine. It was given to me at my birth. And then I happen to luck out and be born in a country that believes that. That I should be the only determinant of my future. That opportunity will be available. It may not be easy. It never was easy for me. But it was always there. The dream was always there. And if you don't have a dream, nothing will ever come true. And so I dreamed and I dreamed my way into many, many miraculous moments. And I know that I would not have been able to do it if I had been born in North Korea, if I had been born right in this current context in Argentina, in Venezuela, if I had been born in Cuba, my life would have been so much harder and my freedom I would have had to fight for. But I was blessed. I was born in a country that knew I was free. And... It didn't mean I was in an anarchistic state. It meant we had laws that protected my freedom. They didn't take my freedom away from me, but they did keep the bad guys at bay. And then I woke up in the 70s and I said, well, wait a minute. The bad guys aren't necessarily the criminals in the street anymore, there are some bad guys who ha- are pulling strings right there in the house of uh, of the houses of congress and in the white house and i said you know what uh uh-uh, uh that's got to end this is a, a republic that means that we elect people to represent us now we won't always agree we're a country that's very divided right now but we have a system in place which allows us to come to some decision and then for two years, four years, six years, we have to live with that decision. And all I know is I have made some wrong decisions in my life, but voting for Donald Trump was not one of them. I can look back now and say, I should have worked harder in 2020 I should have done I should not have been content and confident because the evil ones in government were plotting they know how to steal not just your money out of your pocket they know how to steal elections and they need to be watched this time and you and I need to be the watchers and no i don't believe that, uh, you know, I have some messiah in Donald Trump. But I do believe that the God I serve, obviously, would send somebody when we mess things up too badly. Doesn't make him, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't even make him special. It just makes him a man for the time. Washington, Lincoln, you can go down the list Normal guys, but they were created for a time such as this, like Esther in the Bible. Sometimes the circumstances call for something extraordinary. And that's what's going on in this country right now. So if you think I'm going to back down now, you can kiss the proverbial tuchus. Let me take a quick break. Stay right where you are. So I'll tell you why people get so uh, disturbed and mad and and how the left just completely misreads the country. They just, they they refused to understand or investigate why Donald Trump was elected in the first place in 2016. They didn't didn't care. They saw it as a blip, an accident, we better do better uh, uh, cheating. I, I don't know what they thought, but they are so hell-bent on destroying this man that you better understand, it can't just be about him. Letitia James is now calling for a $370 million fine against the former president and his companies and a lifetime ban on him and two of his former company executives from the entire real estate industry in the state of New York. They, they're they're literally requesting the punishment in motions that were filed on today in the Trump fraud case. They said that Trump owes 168 million of interest allegedly saved through fraud, 152 million from the sale of the old post office building in Washington, the where one of his hotels was placed, beautiful hotel, and what a dump the old post office building was let to become. $60 million through the transfer of the Ferry Point golf course. I mean, she is, she's crazy. You know, people don't deserve to be put in positions like she's been put in, Attorney General of New York. I mean, what are her qualifications? I'm beginning to think that DEI has literally destroyed our justice system and, and a lot of other things. Higher education. You know, there's a lot I could say about Claudine Gay, um, who's now, of course, out at Harvard, resigned. Not not that she'll have a bad life. Trust me, she'll have a great life. But how can this, you know, how is it that they don't hear what the people are experiencing, that they don't care about what's going on in the lives of the American people? Like, why would you go into civil service if you don't like the people? That's what I don't get. If you uh, deliver a tirade against MAGA people, then you don't like a lot of the American public. And I got news for you. They are aware that you don't like them. And that's why they're going to you're going to see incredible numbers. Uh, you know, I, I'm really confident in making this prediction. You're going to see an incredible victory by Donald Trump in 2024. This year. And they're going to be, you remember how they cried, all those newscasters at CNN and MSNBC and ABC? and They were all like dissolved into tears. Now they're going to go berserk. You know, they're going to show up with handcuffs and say, we're placing you under arrest because you cannot be president. I don't know what they think they're going to do. But maybe they should just try and listen to the American people. Instead, the, 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 and the left just takes the wrong position on everything. It's not an insurrection when pro-Palestine protesters entirely fill up the California state capitol? They did that Wednesday. I was there, not at the capitol building, but I was in California. Big news story, trust me. I bet you didn't hear about it, because I was not talking about it. But they shut down the California state capitol, and the only way you could describe how they did it was uh, it was an insurrection. That's the term they like to use for what happened. If you force lawmakers in the assembly to adjourn if legislators have no recourse but to file out of the assembly chamber as 250 demonstrators are you know make their way into the chambers at uh, the Capitol rotunda uh, and start chanting cease fire now cease fire now No U.S. funding for Israel's genocide in Palestine. And and then paper flowers representing the 32,000 or 22,000, I don't know how many Palestinians that have been killed in the war that began after Hamas attacked Israel. Okay? So they shut down the assembly. Literally shut it down. I'm playing a little of the chanting. They shut it down. But, oh no, the media is not saying that was an insurrection. No, 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 no. It was just a peaceful protest. The handful of Republicans that were there didn't see it that way. Chant, intimidate, and shut down. So now, if you stop California elected representatives from addressing crisis issues in their own state with your ceasefire now, um, that's okay. This is the first day of their session. They go into recess, recess immediately because of these protesters. What on earth... What If you continue to show us that you are going to uh, conduct business it, differently, if one side does a, a behavior and if another side does the same behavior, um, the, one side is going to be punished and the other is going to be glorified. Glorified. And now... You know, we we have these states that are literally just lining up to see if they can get Donald Trump off the ballot and the former Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, a person who never believed in states' rights before. Never, never. All of a sudden, states should be able to determine who goes on the ballot. No, the people should be able to determine who goes on the ballot. The people in the party, or in some states, anybody can vote in a primary. The people have a right to select the candidates. And then the people have a right to vote for the candidate that they want to lead. Which part of that is beyond the understanding. Now Nancy Pelosi is a little bit uh, aging and has, uh, I'm sure, a touch of uh, senility. If I can't remember things, I know Nancy Pelosi probably can't remember much. And so now you've got Massachusetts who wants to take Donald Trump off the primary ballot under the pretext that a group of voters in the state uh, are declaring that he's uh, guilty of insurrection, even though he has never been convicted of such a crime. So the, they, they filed this on Thursday with the Massachusetts Ballot Law Commission saying that Trump is ineligible to hold office. And, and, and that you'll get plenty of reporting on Trust me, that'll be all over the news. Oh, Colorado banned them. Oh, this one. That, that they can't wait to tell you about. But an insurrection in the California legislature, which forced an adjournment of the first session. Eh, let's not talk about that. That's not going to be good for us. Um, oh, look, we have something. Donald Trump put out an ad, a a salacious, false, make-believe parody about how God created him. That's the news story. Maybe we could have uh, Elon Musk. Uh, What did he do? Oh, he's suing everybody. We'll find another story. And meanwhile, we got a disaster at the border, and people like uh, the mayor of New York are banging their heads against the wall and going, I can't believe this is happening. I'm going to sue the bus companies. Listen to this plan. How This is so crazy that even Democrats have to think to themselves, we're in trouble. This whole DEI thing have been, provided us with some representatives all over the place that don't understand law. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and here's a guy who was in law enforcement, Eric Adams. So he is suing the bus companies that brought the migrants from Texas to New York, the illegal immigrants that were bused by Greg Abbott from Texas to New York, the mayor of New York is now suing the bus companies. These people have no respect for industry, for private companies. How is that, they want the money that the city of the state is expending to take care of these illegal immigrants. They wanna sue the bus companies who were contracted to bring them at some exorbitant rates. so yeah, I should open a bus company. But uh, this is insane. You know, this is a guy who three years ago was like, well, we're a sanctuary state and we don't like the way people talk about immigrants. They're not illegals and, and, and we welcome them. They should all come to New York. We need more people. I've heard this uh, refrain for the last 35 years. Well, you know, we need workers and we need people and it's we're a nation of immigrants and all this crap. And then we said, okay, now that you've all opened the southern border and you have overwhelmed Texas and Arizona and New Mexico, yeah, overwhelmed. They can't handle anymore. They, there's not even a place on the sidewalk for them to put down a box. So they're being shipped to the sanctuary states, the cities that and states that declared that they welcome them. Come on over. Okay, good. We gave them the pass. They're there. And now it's like, oh my God, how did this happen? What are we going to do about the border? And Joe Biden makes a speech about uh, the revolutionary war and 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 <laughs> january 6th an insurrection as he calls it right but the border not a word and and he i have to say something especially if he's going to be campaigning not from his basement because people are going to be screaming in the crowds i don't care if they're democrats or not what are you going to do about the border Democratic mayors and governors in in cities across the country. Uh, Eric Adams is a Democrat. He's as far from the border as you can get. But he wants an answer from the president. This is a bipartisan problem that has turned the politics of immigration upside down. The likelihood that Joe Biden and Democratic lawmakers are going to approve immigration concessions to Republicans that would have seemed improbable just a few years ago, it's going to happen. And that's a huge victory for guys like Greg Abbott, for guys like Governor DeSantis. Because the people, they are representing the people, not the politics, not the House of Representatives, none of that. The people, the people are sick of it. What does that all lead to? I'll tell you what it leads to. Better get used to calling uh, uh, Donald Trump President Trump again, and I got a 47 hat. I will proudly wear. Don't forget coming up after me, Eric Erickson, followed by Joe Pags and Lars Larson tomorrow. Oh no, it's the weekend. We head into the weekend glory, hallelujah! By hopefully by Monday, my voice will be restored. Although on some level, I'm kind of enjoying this. I sound like you know one of those people on the on the uh, what do you call the hotlines, the sex lines? Very sultry, right? No? What can I tell you? I'm having a fantasy. Let me have my moment. All right, stay right where you are. I'm going to come back and finish out the week. Derek's not going to be with us. He's on the slopes with his family. Must be nice. You know, there's one thing I have always said. If I can't be rich, then let my kids be rich. And that happened. I'll be right back. This Here's so uh, it is uh, the last uh, segment you know of I'm the show. Whoa, the what happened well here? Yeah. I can't get this silent. Okay, well let me do the story without this uh, n- annoying woman in the background. I have enough males in my life not like I couldn't use any more, but I have enough males in my life to know what the effect of a Star Wars movie has on men, on boys. You know, here, so many years later from the original Star Wars, there's a whole new generation that just love Star Wars. M- my grandson Abraham turned eight. And all he wanted me to get him for his birthday was like a, a Lego set of whatever, the Millennium Falcon, some part of the Star Wars world. And they know, they can recite dialogue from Star Wars. And I'm talking all the Star Wars movies. Like I saw the first two maybe. And really, I'm not going to try and be misogynistic about this, but that was enough for me. So now there's a new director, and that it happens to be a feminist. A person who describes herself as a feminist. She's of like a Pakistani background, and an ardent feminist, and when she was asked, what is her goal, her goal in life? Not just her goal with the movie. She said her goal is to make men uncomfortable. Well, I want you to just think about that. Who is the audience for Star Wars? If the director of Star Wars wants to make men uncomfortable, then who's going to watch the movies? You can bet I'm not. So, you know, I I just... It blows my mind how this woke nonsense destroys things that are successful i want to make men feel uncomfortable that's that's her i mean that's her like tagline so now we're going to have some woke feminist nonsense in the star wars movies and she's made the lead character not that this will surprise anyone a woman She said, we're in 2024, it's about time we have a woman shape a story in a galaxy far, far away. Why? This film is destined for failure. Just letting you know, this is my TMZ segment, I'm doing it all by myself. Anyone with that kind of mentality will fail. You want to make men uncomfortable? As the mother of sons and the grandmother of boys, I will tell you this. It is them who are always wanting to watch Star Wars. It's them who have lightsabers and build Millennium Falcons out of Legos. It's not my granddaughters. And so if your goal is to make men uncomfortable, they're not going to watch the movie, and that's going to be the end. They did this with Captain Marvel. Did it work? No. Do they care? No. Making men feel uncomfortable. That's where she should have made documentaries about making men feel uncomfortable because now she's going to make a flop out of the new Star Wars movie. That's probably why I'm a Trekkie and not into Star Wars. Thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here on Monday at 3 o'clock with a better voice. If it be his will and he delays his coming, what lies behind us? And what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. Thank you for listening. I'll be back on Monday. May God bless you and God bless the USA. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.